Welcome to the Anchor Podcast, offering Jesus-shaped perspectives and anchors for the soul. I'm your host, Jeremy Berg, and you can learn more about me and our ministry at kingdomharbor.com. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome back. We are looking today at episode six of The Chosen. We hope that you are benefiting from this journey we're on together. If you need to catch up, you can go watch all episodes online for free. Just Google Watch The Chosen. You'll find it somewhere for free. Today's episode is episode six. It's called Indescribable Compassion. And I want to pass over the microphone today to our pastor, Mike Fox, uh, for a wonderful reflection on this powerful episode. So here's Pastor Mike. So let me introduce you to the cast of characters in episode six of The Chosen. The characters I will focus on include First, of course, Jesus, the Messiah. In this episode, we get to see the two defining characteristics of Jesus's ministry, his teaching and his healing. Then we have Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee, considered a great teacher. And in this episode, we see him counseling one of his students. Next is Shemuel, another Pharisee, one of Nicodemus's students. And in this episode, we discover that he was the one who turned John the baptizer over to the Romans. Then there are two minor characters, the leper, who is an outcast because of his disease, and he is healed by Jesus in this story. And lastly, there is Matthew, the tax collector. He's also an outcast, but not because of disease, but now because of his profession. There are other characters, some important, some minor, um, but they're not pertinent to this particular reflection. As I watched this episode, there were two things that caught my attention. The first are the outcasts. And the first outcast is the leper. You know, in today's world, leprosy is also called Hansen's disease and refers to a very specific disease of the skin and nervous system. But in the Bible, leprosy is a much more general description, includes many different skin disorders. It was thought to be contagious, transmitted both through the air and by touch. And this fear of the disease, in turn, led lepers to being declared unclean and shunned by everyone. It is shocking to watch the reaction of the shopkeeper and later the disciples when they are approached by a leper. There is fear, anger, and revulsion. Kindness, compassion, and understanding are nowhere to be found. 
nowhere to be found, that is, until the leper approaches Jesus. Jesus ignores all of the social rules, all of the fear, and he heals the leper by touching him. The second outcast is Matthew, the tax collector. In previous episodes, we have seen how Matthew is shunned by the Jews. And although a Jew himself, Matthew is viewed as a traitor because he works for the Romans, collecting their taxes and probably skimming a little bit for himself as well. In this episode, Matthew finds acceptance from an unusual source, the children. A crowd has gathered to hear Jesus teach. The children, because they are short, and Matthew, because he's an outcast, are both unable to get close to the action. So Matthew and the children find companionship on a rooftop overlooking a square where they can see and hear Jesus. You know, the obvious question here is, who are the outcasts in your life? Do you feel uncomfortable um, and shun the homeless who might be dirty and smelly or the beggars at the stoplights that are so prevalent around this city or the immigrants who can't speak English? You know, what about those who wear a hijab or wear a gay pride button? or have a bumper sticker supporting the wrong political party. What would need to change in your life before you could accept those outcasts? Accept them like meeting them for coffee sometime, inviting them into your home, introducing them to your friends. What would have to change? Are there any outcasts in Jesus's world? If not, you know, should there be any in our world? I don't think Jesus has any outcasts. Everybody is somebody that Jesus accepts. Now, the, the second thing that jumped out at me in this episode is the wonderful conversation between Nicodemus, the teacher, and Shmuel, his, his student. Shmuel had as many of the Pharisees had, a very rigid interpretation of the law. From Shemuel's perspective, John the baptizer had blasphemed, and thus he deserved to be locked up. Shemuel was, after all, just enforcing the law and protecting the people. But as Nicodemus and Shemuel talk, Shemuel confesses that he was afraid. Nicodemus tells Shemuel that fear ensures that we remain ignorant, asleep in the safety of rigid tradition. And I wonder if that sounds like any of us, that we are so set on our traditions that we are willing, unwilling to budge in any direction, no matter how good the reason might be. Nicodemus asks Shemuel if John was truly a heretic, or if maybe, just maybe, there might be a different interpretation of the scripture. 
Now, Shamil's not convinced by that particular argument, so Nicodemus tries a different tact. Nicodemus compares the Pharisees to the Sadducees. You see, the Sadducees believe that the first five books, the books of Moses, are divinely inspired. Everything else, eh, kind of unimportant. The Pharisees, on the other hand, acknowledge the value in the stories about Ruth and Esther and Job and David and Isaiah, the Psalms, Proverbs. The Sadducees think that God stopped talking, that God stopped acting when Moses died. And in the hundreds of years between that point and the current point in this story, God has done nothing. And Nicodemus says, I do not want to live in a bleak past where God cannot do anything new. So what do you think? Is God still active in our world today? Or did he stop acting, stop talking when Paul established the church? Personally, I agree with Nicodemus that life would be bleak if God did not do anything new for the last 2,000 years. But if it is true that God is active in our world today, you know, then we need to keep our eyes and our ears open and look for the things that he is doing and the things that he's involved with, because those are the things that I want to be involved with. Nicodemus says, we are still students, all of us. Our understanding will never be complete. There are new things happening. God is still speaking and God is still acting. We can never become complacent, thinking we've got it all figured out. Rigid traditions and complacency go hand in hand. Traditions create a box with well-defined borders. And if the box is small enough, there is nothing new and we never have to change. Our world is reduced to things inside the box versus the things outside the box. Now, take a second, skim through the Gospels. Look at what Jesus has to say about the Pharisees. You know, and at first glance, it looks like Jesus is hypercritical of that group of people. But a closer look will show that Jesus never criticizes the Pharisees for following the law. Jesus is actually criticizing the Pharisees because they have lost the heart of the law. In Matthew 5, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. He does not think the law is bad, and he does not think the Pharisees following the law is bad. In Matthew 15, Jesus is actually talking to the Pharisees, and he quotes from Isaiah. These people, referring to the Pharisees in this case, honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, and their teachings are merely human rules. In other words, they followed the letter of the law, but had lost the intent, the heart of the law. Again, going back to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus quotes the law when he says, you have heard 
that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on to say that if we truly want to please God, we need to practice the heart of the law, the intent of the law, and not just the letter and the words of the law. So reading that complete passage, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. You see, the law says don't murder. But the intent, the heart says, don't even get angry. The law says you shall not commit adultery. The intent is but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The law says an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. The intent is, I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. The law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus says that the heart of that law is, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You know, at first, I thought those two things, the outcasts and the rigid traditions of the Pharisees were two very different things was that I prepared this reflection, I found that in reality, they're the same thing. Rigid traditions that we're unwilling to budge from create small boxes with well-defined borders. Small boxes define a world where some of us are in and some are out, the outcasts. We see this portrayed in the video. We see this found in scripture. And unfortunately, we still see this in the world that we live in today. So does this mean we shouldn't have a box at all? That anything goes? No, of course not. There are still rules. Love God, love others. But I would encourage you to draw your box large enough to allow God to work in any way he chooses with anyone he chooses Draw a box large enough so there are no outsiders and no outcasts. So let me leave you with the words from Nicodemus. Nicodemus says, walk the road laid out in scripture, but also keep your eyes open to the startling and unexpected ways of our very large and very active God. Well, that was a powerful reflection from Pastor Mike. I can hardly improve upon it. Let me just tie things up here to wrap up this episode by reiterating this powerful words from Nicodemus' lips. When he says to Shemuel, 
fear ensures that we remain ignorant or asleep to new ways of thinking or seeing things. Fear will ensure that we remain ignorant or asleep to a larger perspective, to new ways of understanding our world. We are living in a moment that is gripped by fear. The political conversation on the right and the left in our country, on the news every night, and everything you read and hear about on social media, it's driven by fear. And it has people across the political spectrum retreating into their boxes, their narrow, rigid little box to make sense of the world, to interpret the world around us and the people we encounter. And I just want to underscore this moment for the church and what Mike has so um, wonderfully described. Beware, friends, of the political boxes. I mean, it's the Pharisees who had let a, a narrow little theological box screen out and make uh, resistant to Jesus when he came to fully live out the the intent of the law. They, they had walls up. They had cotton in their ears. They had all of these ways or impulses to get rid of Jesus because he didn't fit into their box, into their interpretation, into how things are supposed to be of and, and they, they were not open because they, were, they remained in ignorance of this new thing, Jesus, that God was doing in Christ. Or they were asleep to the ways that God can surprise us. <laughs> and I, if the Pharisees missed what God was doing in Jesus in their time because of a theological box, that they place themselves into, how woefully worse is it that the church of today in the United States of America is choosing to place ourselves in a political box? One's blue, one's red, one has a donkey on the cover, one has an elephant on the cover, and we are letting a political, not a biblical, a political set of, of assumptions be the rigid box that prevents us from, I believe, being faithful to Jesus and his kingdom that we're supposed to be pursuing, representing, inviting others into. And it's a very sober moment for the church and to all of those would-be Christians who are far more animated by this or that political agenda. May we step back out of these rigid political boxes and immerse ourselves in the teachings of Jesus, in the life and example of Jesus, so that we will be open, not ignorant, that we will be awake, not asleep, to the kingdom Jesus came to inaugurate and the kingdom that the church is supposed to be advancing as we embrace all and help all people see 
blue and red, conservative and liberal, that all people would begin to see the world in a whole new way through kingdom lenses. We are always learning. We never complete our learning. So are you open? Are you willing to hear other sides, other perspectives? Or does someone, or do you resist and push away the would-be kingdom representatives and voices that dare, dare expose or challenge your current political ideology? Lord, help us. God, help your church. Raise up teachers and leaders who will not bow to each political pressure group, but that would speak prophetically to both. At the end of the day, friends, we're either representing Jesus, following Jesus, or we're representing something else or someone else. And we will be held accountable someday. So may we seek first the kingdom and his justice. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you will join us for, we only have two left in this first season, two episodes left. We will be off next week, um, but then we will return in a couple weeks with our two final episodes. Uh, you can get caught up and watch these episodes online and, uh, God bless you this week.